We are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, good morning. I'm so pleased that you've um, come along today. And I'd like to just extend my welcome to you along with John's and Fraser's um, today. It's so good to gather together. And you might remember that on the 2nd of July, 12 boys were rescued um, from a cave in Thailand along with their coach as well. And um, they were successfully rescued. It took many divers over two weeks really whilst they were stuck in there. And um, when the first boy emerged from the cave, what happened was that uh, from that moment to then getting the rest of the guys out, it was three days. And um, the whole world was watching and praying for a safe rescue. Having travelled over a mile into the cave, the waters rose up and so these boys had got stuck um, quite far into the cave and they got stuck and they needed rescue. They needed someone to come from the outside to come in and rescue. They were without any hope. And so for days they kind of remained there with little to no food, little to no water And the only way for them to be saved was by someone coming into the depths of that cave to rescue them and to lead them out into the light. The ordeal for them was so extreme that they had to sedate the boys um, because going through the the real tight parts of the cave um, would have just caused much panic and claustrophobia uh, they would have experienced in a great way. And so each boy and their coach had to put their faith in the rescuers to take them out safely. Throughout the saving process, one of the most experienced divers in the world, unfortunately, died trying to save the boys. And then finally, that kind of day came when the first boy emerged. And there just was great joy and celebration as the world's media was there taking those first snaps. And parents, friends, family who had feared the worst, all their kind of fears had turned to great joy. And... um, yeah, there is a picture that will come up in a moment just to show that kind of where the rescue base was over there on your right and where the kids were um, on your left. And you know what? It's just a wonderful picture, really, of the gospel. Like the cave um, boys, we have all, through our sin and our shame, led ourselves into the midst of a dark cave far away from God's love and from his grace. We, we sang this song, uh, the first line of it was, How Great the Chasm um, That Lay Between Us, Between Us and God, a great chasm. And we were separated ourselves from God's goodness and his grace and his mercy, and we find ourselves trapped with, with no hope separated from what it really means to know life in its fullness. Our only hope of salvation was for one to come from the outside of the cave to come and rescue us. And in Jesus, we have one who came from heaven, from base camp um, to earth, to pay the price for our sin, to give us our honour back where we felt shame, to rescue us and to know that him alone is able to rescue and save us and so in turn we look to put our trust in him to lead to trust him to guide us safely out of the chasm 
into the Father's arms, to knowing this great joy. All our tears and failures and fears turn to joy and great adoration in the one true God who could save us. And, you know, in that saving process, Christ also died. He died on the cross in order to save us in that process. And he gave up his life so that we might know life in him. And yet God demonstrated his power through his great might by resurrecting Christ from the dead, defeating sin and Satan and all evil and showing that he is the one true God, the innocent man who came to pay a price for our sins. And so now all who believe in him can know great joy and life and celebration and much party and there is great hope to be found. What an amazing picture actually, isn't it, of the gospel? And do you know what? Today we're looking, we're in our series called Equipped and it's gearing up for the plans of God. And this morning's talk is called Equipped to communicate with a story. There are stories all around us in films, in movies, uh, in just life events which demonstrate the power of the gospel. They demonstrate all that God has done in saving us. And we are encouraged to press forward. Throughout this series we've been encouraged to gear ourselves up for God's plans and remind ourselves that there is good news in the gospel for us to share um, with all those around us that we know. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, read from the Bible, from Acts, which is about 80% into your Bible, towards the end, after Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And I'd love you to turn to it now. Um, And if you haven't got a Bible, why don't you stick your hand up in the air and our welcome team in yellow will come to bring you one shortly. And it might just be that your hand's up because you don't own a Bible. And if that's the case, then you can stick your name in it and you can keep this as a free gift. It will bless you and do you good. So why don't you grab hold of it? And um, yeah, so it's Acts chapter 8. If you don't get a chance to find it, just keep your hands up until they arrive. They are coming. If you don't get a chance to find it so quickly, then don't panic too much because the words will also appear on the screen. And this, what we're going to read, is a, quite an ordinary story about a guy called Philip who was equipped and encouraged and inspired to share his faith with, um, with an Ethiopian man that he met and so let's read the story so we're going to start from Acts chapter 8 verse 26 and it says this now an angel of the Lord said to Philip go south to the road the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza so he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake which means queen of the Ethiopians This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? uh, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from this earth. Just like the cave story, just like what Jesus done. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
So that's our passage today. And um, Philip, I love that he started um, with where the eunuch was at, with what he was reading, with the story that he was involved in. That very story, he looked at that story and then he linked it to Jesus. And Isaiah is, an, is a guy who wrote hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And he prophesied about uh, this saviour, the Messiah that was going to come and it was going to die and suffer for the sins of the many. And yet... Um, in himself be innocent and be restored to fullness of God and have the name that's above every name. And so knowing these, this story, Philip was able to talk to the eunuch about Jesus. And, um, and so there's a few things I just want to pull out of this passage that can just encourage us and equip us as we are talking to our friends and family and neighbours. Maybe you're here today and, and you don't really know uh, Jesus yet. Well, hopefully that the story of the Thai cave rescuers is something for you to ponder and think through over this, this next few weeks or so and come back again and hear more about him. And here are some things that I think can just help anyone who does know Jesus think about how can we be people that help to point others to Jesus through their stories. And so here's a few things to pull out from the passage. First of all, right at the start, it says that, the, that he went to go. The Holy, when the Holy Spirit says go, we go. In the passage, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the, road of the, desert, uh, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Garden, Gaza. And so Philip's like, okay, God says this. I'm going to go. He started off. And then later on in verse 29, he says, now go to that chariot and stay near it. Notice that at this point, Philip knows nothing about what's going to happen. For him, this is just an ordinary day. He's walking through his life and well, an angel at first says, um, but we know through the Holy Spirit can speak to us and he can encourage us and he can say, as we're walking along, we might feel just a prompting in our heart. Why don't you cross over the road and talk to, talk to that person? Why don't you step over the office and, and talk to that colleague? Why don't you sit with that person who's by themselves? And when we get these promptings, the encouragement is to go. We don't know what's going to happen. The results actually aren't ours. The results are God's, but what we're encouraged to do is do what kind of God prompts us to. And that's exactly what Philip does. He goes over to the chariot. He stays near it. That's all, that's all he's required to do, just stay near it. No, don't even say it, just stay near it. And so he does. Go, um, go over to, to the road because, you know, something's going to happen. And I'm not revealing all that to you yet, but I want to encourage you to go. It's like the first step of obedience that Philip chooses to go on. And I want to encourage us to be people that are same people that just start off with simple obedience. I think that's where extraordinary stories happen. Just ordinary obedience as we just start and take the first step. And then when we go, what happens is invariably we meet people. And so it says in verse 27, he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. This guy was the Chancellor of the Exchequer. He was the guy that looked after the treasury to the Ethiopian queen. And so obviously high-powered, great person. We find out later on in church history that he ended up taking the gospel to Ethiopia and many parts actually of um, sort of South uh, Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, we know that the North is mainly, mainly Muslim populated, but from like Ethiopia, Kenya, Uganda, Congo, South is very Christian. And a lot of that can be traced back to this Ethiopian who heard the gospel, got baptised and then went and took the gospel to where he was. But it all started off by Philip going and then he met someone. Just met the person that's in front of him. And um, 
So when he says, I mean, when the Holy Spirit encourages us to go, go and work in this place or go to this university or go, you know, I don't know, go wherever, whatever life, whatever part of life you are living, do you know what? It's not an accident that you are there. It's not an accident you're here this morning, hearing this message. It's not an accident that God is with you. Wherever you are, whatever part of the journey you're in, whatever situation you find yourself in, God knows. And so I want to encourage you to look. Who's around me? Who am I meeting? They're the people that God is calling to you. Um, Catherine met a girl called Sean at university in her second year. And they ended up sharing a house. And they shared a house, I think, in third year as well. And um, after university, they kind of just kept in contact. And about seven years after... Um, during this kind of friendship after university, they kind of gone their separate ways, but sort of kept in contact. Um, Catherine, oh, throughout this time, would would you know meet Sean and invite her to church, or whatever. And it was always no, 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 no. But then one day, it was a yes, and then Sean came to church, and she spent the time crying, really, tears in her eyes, and not really knowing why. And over the next few weeks and months, she ended up doing Alpha and becoming a Christian. And then the person that she was living at that time then started seeing this change happening in Sean's life. And so then she came along to church. And now they're both stuck into church. They go to West Point and Connect Festival, which I want to encourage you to go to. They serve on the kids' work there. They, they love Jesus. And their whole life has been transformed. And it's just because Catherine just met the person that's next to her. Just chat to her. There are people all around us that we're encouraged to chat. It's just ordinary people from our day-to-day lives to meet with. And that's exactly what happened here. And, you know, the, the great thing about that story isn't that Sean and then her friend became Christians. It's that Catherine took the simple step of obedience to just go and then meet the people in front of her. And then it's even more simple because then the spirit told Philip, why don't you just go over to that chariot, stay near it. So Philip went to the chariot and then he heard the guy reading Isaiah and he just asked a question. It's just a simple question. Hey, do you, do you understand what you're reading? It's so easy for us sometimes to jump in with what we think is the thing that the person needs to hear. And yet we're called actually not to jump in with our own agendas or to start with what we think is the right things to say, but to take an interest, to ask questions, to uh, want, you know, just pose things to people's life. Those questions can be about life. Oh, you know, someone's felt lots of loss and suffering and hurt and pain, and you can ask questions, why do you think you feel that? Is there more to life than just work, eat, sleep, repeat? Um, do you think there's something more than just our flesh and blood? All sorts of different questions that can come out. Um, recently, I was, um, we, me and Catherine went to Brighton. Uh, we were out because one of my friends from school uh, got engaged. And so whilst we were out having a few drinks at a cocktail bar um, at the engagement party, and so I asked him, like, hey, so... Um, you know, you're getting married, it's quite a big deal. What, what are you doing pre- to prepare for the marriage? And they're like, oh, well, no one's ever really asked us that before. So then I was like, hey, well, why don't, you, why don't we meet up with Catherine and I and we'll watch some videos, it's some marriage prep videos, we'll do five sessions and it'll just help you to prepare. And he was like, yeah, all right. So we had our first session uh, earlier on last week in half term and we've got four more. And do you know what? After that first session, uh, we just use the videos. I've got the videos. So if anyone, you can do this. If anyone has friends who wants to get, who are getting engaged, you can use these videos. It's really easy. We've got booklets as well that go with them and you just pause it every now and again and they do questions by themselves. And so we were doing this and at the end of the evening of that first session, they said, no one ever has asked us about this. 
not our parents, not our friends. They don't talk to us about how we're doing our finances or how we're communicating or what our plans are for future life. or how we, They don't, no one in their life asks them about any of this stuff or talks to them or takes the time to just sit with them and talk this kind of stuff through. And I don't know what's going to happen with that relationship. They don't know Jesus, but we're just being there, asking questions, being people. Do you know what? You can do the same. Just be people. Because the reality is, is that who asks your friends, like, what do you think happens after death? Who asks your friends, why do you think they're suffering? Who asks your friends, like, all sorts of questions about God or spirituality or, or shame or, or weakness or power or honour? No one asks these things, but you could. And that might lead to a conversation like what Philip had with the eunuch. And so we go, we meet, we ask, and then we look. Look for opportunities of interest. So in verse 31, he says, um, the eunuch says, well, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? And so uh, Philip is there, he's looking for an opportunity, and he gets asked a question himself. So he poses a question, and now the, the eunuch's asking him a question, ah, oh, this is my opportunity to say something. And, you know, Jesus had a very similar approach um, for his disciples. And so when people... Um, when he, he sent out 72 people and he kind of said to them, as you go out, meet people, greet them. And if any take interest in you, then why don't you sit with them, have a meal together and talk to them. But if they don't, if they sort of don't want to know, well, that's okay. Just brush the, sandals off, the sand off your feet and just move on and go to the next person. Like, you don't need to try to force anything, but just look for the opportunities around you as you meet people um, and I think that's great. And so when your colleague is struggling with something, why don't you look for opportunities? When they're rejoicing with something, look for opportunities. When um, you're out and about with family or friends or, or just life happens, look for opportunities. They're always there. It's always, we start with questions we don't impose. But when questions are asked of us, well, hey, here's an opportunity. Right? What an opportunity to go and share something. When a story comes out like the cave story, why don't you just think through, how does this represent the gospel? When that film comes out, like Hacksaw Ridge, amazing example of the gospel. And um, so, you, you know, films like that that you're seeing with your friends, why don't you talk to your friends about it? Things that happen in life, how can they know unless someone explains it? How, this guy couldn't know unless someone explained it. Your friends can't know unless someone explains it. And then once you've started with their question, move on to Jesus and to the gospel. It, he carries on, it says, this is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the to slaughter as a lamb before its shearers is a and so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. So who can speak of his descendants? And we know that Jesus didn't have any descendants for his life was taken from the earth. Then the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about? Is it himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. It's a bit like where we started from. Start with a story and then tell them about the good news of Jesus. And so um, start with where they are and then lead them to Jesus. It's so easy sometimes to start where people are and then get wrapped up and go round in circles in a thing that that person's interested in and never get into Jesus. But Philip shows us a very clear and simple example here to go, to meet, to ask, to look, and then wherever, wherever the starting point is, wherever that story is, wherever it is, we go from there and we link to Jesus. We go to Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who's the name above every name. There is power in the name of Jesus. He is the one that can transform and change lives, not anything else. 
And so that's why it's important to do like Philip did. He began with that very passage, but then goes to Jesus. And so um, here's another little story about me. I used to work in security and I uh, did that for about five years. Um, really enjoyed it. If anyone's ever worked in security before, like, you know, sort of nightclub bouncers or um, at events, then you'll know that it's kind of long periods of boring, um, followed by short periods of kind of terrifying, frightening, but exciting. And, um, yeah, I remember many times, that, yeah, like, for f- over those five years, I did sort of nightclub security as well as, like, events. And I remember there was this one Christmas where at the back of the Christmas carol at our church, I had, there's like, four or five of us bouncers sitting out the back, all my mates kind of... You know, and actually, they, they, I think they enjoyed it. They didn't come back again. But it was, it was great. We had lots of great conversations. Um, I remember doing, going to Wimbledon and um, making sure that people weren't illegally touting stuff, and that was great fun. And going to the Gulf Open in Carnoustie in 2007, and um, we were on the practice green, and we got to meet all the players, like Tiger Woods and all the celebrities that come through as well. Alan Shearer was there. That was great fun. And there was some guy called Nick Faldo, which I didn't know who he was, but apparently he's one of the best British golfers of all time. But I didn't know, so I made him get his pass out and checked it all. OK, you can come in. And it was quite embarrassing. Anyway, I'd done Wembley pitch side response. But I've also done, which is more closer to home, the Farnborough Air Show. And um, there was, whilst I was there at the Farnborough Air Show, um, it's quite a, it's kind of a corporate event and then it's a family event. And so it's fairly low key in terms of security. And me and this guy that I was with, we were on perimeter security. And so basically we'd just walk around. The, the, the whole grounds over and over again. And during that time, he, so he was from Morocco and he was a Muslim. And so we, we chatted for these like five days. We just chatted about faith, lots of different stuff, but faith stuff came up quite a lot. And um, I would listen to his story. This, I was about 23 years old, so I wasn't Pastor Chris. I wasn't Elder Chris. I didn't know lots of about the Bible. But um, over these few days, what happened was that I realised that his biggest fear or concern was one of peace. And so whenever he, like, swore, which he did quite a lot, or whenever he got angry or whenever something sort of... that he did something wrong or sinful, what would happen is that he would immediately feel like he needed to do something to redress the balance. And he was always kind of living in this kind of state of almost fear that if he was going to die at any moment, that um, he, would, he didn't know where he would be going, like heaven or hell. He didn't know. And so once I kind of figured that out, this is after about three days, any, any time then that it was sort of my turn to share, I'd always talk about the Prince of Peace. I'd always talk about the security that can be found in knowing a God of heaven, where knowing that it's not by my works or by my power that I can know that my destination is secure, but because of God's perfection and his power. And so... Um, it really transformed our conversation because I was starting from where he was at and what his concerns were and just showing how the gospel is the answer to all those things. And so we sung earlier about there's no power of hell, no scheme of man that can ever pluck me from his hand. There in the power of Christ I stand. And just, I guess, through my own life, through the way that I was, I was quite a chilled guy and still am, I think. And... Um, you know, I was able to demonstrate peace, but also talk about the peace that can be found in the gospel. And though I didn't know it yet, there's many Bible passages that will help us with that. Hebrews 7 is a good example. Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant because Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. 
Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. There's great security to be found in the gospel. And so even in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of our sin and, and our shame, actually, we can know a security in our final destination. And that's something that he did not have. And so I was able to talk to him about that. Ephesians 1 puts it like this. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. That's the hope, promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. It's amazing verses. And so we start with where our friends are at, with what, what's going on in their lives, what's their story, and then we look for these gospel moments. We have gospel motivation to share because we know it's good news, but we look for the gospel moments, and when they come, we, we link them to Jesus. And so there's an issue of suffering Hannah was sharing earlier, and so we talk about Jesus who identifies with that, and, and we find opportunities to pray for our friends where there's an issue of justice and we talk about the God who is, who is just. There's an issue of fear and we talk about the one who takes away fear and gives us power to overcome. There's an issue of prejudice or bullying or rejection or betrayal and we talk about Jesus who identifies with all those things and suffered all those things but promises never to leave us or forsake us and that he will always be with us. There's issues of financial pressure and we can talk about the God who's a provider and there's an issue of death or mortality and we can talk about uh, life beyond the grave and an eternal hope. We can talk about all these things that come up in people's lives if we can bring them to the gospel. Equipped to communicate means knowing what the gospel is. It means knowing that there is power in the gospel, believing it for ourselves, treasuring it for ourselves, and then finding opportunities to share it with our friends. And so in our life groups, uh, not this week, but next week, we're going to be doing a bit more work on this. And in Chris's book, which is called Equipped, which we kind of, we've based this series on, he gives um, four different examples of ways in which you can communicate the gospel. Uh, I quite like the beer mat example, which is a little diagram you can draw on a beer mat in a pub. And you can practice it and remember it, and that helps you when you're in those conversations. And so we'll do a bit of work in, that in our life groups. And if you find yourself in the context where you're regularly chatting with people who are from a different culture then can I also recommend this Phil passed this on to me the other day and um, it's a really it's a thin book but it's really helpful it's the 3D gospel and it just talks about how you can um, how you can link the gospel to all sorts of different cultural backgrounds because in each culture there'll be different kind of a subset of fears or anxieties and how the gospel is the answer to all three and how that's clearly represented through the bible and so it just helps to highlight that out because often we only ever think of one aspect of the gospel and yet it's multifaceted it's a wonderful diamond that can shine in all sorts of different directions and so i entitled this morning's talk equipped to communicate with a story and that's because we not only do we need to just wait for stories that appear in people's lives, we also have a story of our own. For every single person that has put their trust in Jesus, they have a story. They have a story that they can share. And stories help connect us with other people and also help connect people with God. Because stories represent, you know, I've shared a few stories of, of my own and Catherine's today because they help to just represent something that sometimes goes beyond, like, reason or fact. They help to represent a tangible change that's happened in our own life. And in a minute, um, Chris is going to come and share his story. There's about a thousand Chris's in this church, so it's, it's Chris Brown, but you'll know who he is because he's going to come up and be in front of you in a second. And... Um, 
but before he gets there, I just want to talk about what it means to be a witness. Because the Bible talks about Christians and Jesus encourages us to be a witness. And that kind of imagery is really taken from a court scene. And so I just want you to picture the court scene. And in the court scene, you have judges and you have attorneys and you have the jury and then you have the witnesses. And we're not called to be the judge. We're not called to be the person who judges others, who makes decisions for them, who decide whether they um, are worthy of hearing something or not. Equally, you're not called to be the jury who sits on the sign kind of adjudicating whether this person is, is good enough or not good enough or whatever. We're not called to be that. We're not called to be the attorney who comes up with lots of arguments for and against all sorts of different things that people can have questions about, although sometimes we can feel the pressure to have the answers to those questions. No, we're called to be the witness. And the witness, a witness is someone who just says what they have seen, heard, and experienced so you get called to your witness stand and you might have seen a guy running down the road with a big black um, bag full of money and you see him trip and all this money falls out on the pavement and he scrambles it and then he runs off when you're called to that witness stand you're called to describe what you saw what you heard what you experienced if you then start going on and saying, oh, to be honest with you, I think that really what happened was that that guy, he went to his bank account and drew out loads of money because I think he's going to go on holiday and he needs cash on his holiday and so he put it in a black plastic bag because, you know, that's quite a helpful way to take the money. The judge is going to say, whoa, 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 stop there, witness Chris. I don't want to know your postulations. I don't want to know what you think happened. I just want to hear, what did you see? What did you hear? What did you experience? And that's it. And it's good sometimes to find out other things. It is good. It's good to do theology. It's good to get into doctrine. But that is not what it's called. It is to be a witness. A witness is someone who just explains what they saw, what they heard, what they experienced. And every single one of us who have put their trust in Jesus, we are a witness. Because our life was like something. And then it changed. And in that change, something dramatic happened. And we have a story to tell. And so... The Ethiopian, he was reading a story and Philip went from that story to talk about Jesus. But we can also go from our own story to talk about Jesus. And so can we give a big welcome to Christopher Brown, who's going to come up. You might have to keep the cap going as he gets, as he gets down here. Hello. Uh, so three weeks ago, uh, before the Christian Union's events week, I told my testimony to the CU the Sunday evening before then. Uh, the other Sunday, I told Chris about this, and Chris being Chris, he uh, asked me to come over here and tell everyone. Uh, so just to start with the beginning, what it was like before. So before university, I was not Christian. I grew up in a house that was completely uh, away from faith and away from religion. Uh, if you couldn't tell by my accent, I'm from Northern Ireland. And sometimes faith is a bit difficult there. People say it as political, and that's what I've seen it as. It was never something me, my friends, or family ever spoke about. But coming to university is what changed that. I was always open to exploring that, and part of what I did was going to see you. Uh, the university's Christian Union. I got an invite from one of my friends, Sarah, one week, and it was actually so different. I saw people who enjoyed their faith, 
people who, young people engaging with it and actually listening to the words and really just being in the presence of God. And that was something I didn't see at home. I only seen the extreme traditional of it, everyone with a long face going because they had to, not because they wanted to. So it was the Christian Union's events week last year gave me a big chance to explore the faith. Those questions that people often have, that's what I explored in the human week last year. So I went through that and then I ended up going to the follow-up. So I went with one of my friends, one of my friends, Annie. She was always there. She always kept encouraging me to, to continue going on. And through follow-up, I started going to Grace Church. And even through uh, good times and tough times, Annie was still there. And she always had that invite to church. And that was what I needed. Having that space to communicate with someone through it, but also being able to freely explore it for myself is what really helped me. And there was one day during the summer that Emily was leading church and she was having a talk. And me and Annie and some of the other people from Grace Church came down to support. And that was the moment when things changed for me. That was the, the penny drop, the moment I just felt completely different. Uh, it was during, uh, really engaged with the talk. I actually uh, stayed awake during most of it. <laughs> well, during all of it, <laughs> uh, unlike previous. Uh, but it was really, really good. And the worship afterwards uh, even teared up, but I won't. <laughs> I kept my cool mostly. And that was just so such a different feeling, something I had never felt before. So then I had to tell my friend, Annie, that I was ditching her because this is where I needed to go to. I still wouldn't have called myself a Christian then. I would have said something was different, but I didn't know what was. And it took me to about November. From uh, Emily's talk was over the summer, and it was at the end of summer, November, end of November, I was able to actually say to those closest with me that that's what had happened, that I was Christian now. So since then, I've told my friends and, and friends at home and in Guildford, though it was a bit obvious since I was going to church every week. I think they kind of figured that out themselves. But there's just been so many different open doors to speak about uh, God since then. Doors I, I didn't even realize would be through working in the hospital, people asking me about faith there, uh, volunteering and doing stuff with this Christian union. There's just been so many opportunities to speak about God and how it's changed my life, or how he's changed my life. And this is just another one of these opportunities. It's being able to speak about that hope and that faith that I now have, that was just not in my life before. And without my friends being the encouragement for me, without them being there for me, for me to explore things myself, I probably wouldn't have ended up here. And that's just the joy that I have from that, is just being able to t tell people 
how things have changed for me and just being able to sh not even tell, just showing my friends that change it's made in my life as well. And that's probably why Chris came, uh, got me up today. It's just to talk about my testimony because that's the story my friends see. And that's how I communicate with them about that. Cool. So, um, great. Emily, great. It's great to have you preaching. Well done. What a good, good, good preacher was. And, and Chris, it's been great having you part of our church ever since then. And, you know, it's every single one of us in this room, though, have a story, don't we? Where we, we were like this. We, we were away from God. And yet he, he came into the cave of our life. He rescued us. He pulled us out. And he brought us into the light. And I just want to encourage you, if, you know, maybe you're here listening to, to this, listening to what God can do in your life, how he's changed Chris's life and how he can change yours. And I want to encourage you, do you know what? You can, you can go on that same journey. And maybe that journey, like Chris, it started on a Sunday morning listening to a talk and then he went on a journey of faith. And do you know what? Yours can start today as well if it hasn't already. And so let's get the band back up. Um, what I'd like us to do is, um, we don't always do this, but I'd like us to do it because, you know, as we pray together, there is power in the name of Jesus. And I want to encourage us, the Bible encourages us to lay hands on one another and pray and to ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit because, you know, all this kind of stuff, um, sharing our faith, it is not neutral ground. It is like when you step across the room, it is enemy-occupied territory. And when you stand up and when you tell something about something about Jesus, Jesus is not a neutral name. There is always a reaction. You can talk about Santa, the tooth fairy. You can talk about other religions. You can talk about anything. But when you talk about Jesus, it changes things. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. And do you know what? We need the Holy Spirit's power in order to be a people that are equipped to go and share our faith. We need his power. We can't do it in our own strength. But amazingly, God, he doesn't leave us abandoned on our own. He fills us with the power of his Holy Spirit and he encourages us to go. And so we, we listen to him. We say, yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet. Yeah, I'm going to ask. Yeah, I'm going to look for opportunities. And then I'm going to try to lead them from that, from their stories or from my own story to the gospel and to reveal, reveal them to Jesus. And so what I want to encourage us to do is just whilst the music plays, can we stand together and just with, I don't know, one or two people near you, people that you feel comfortable with, I want to encourage you just to kind of hold each other's shoulders appropriately and to pray and to just spend some time, you know, taking turns praying just for a couple of minutes and then we're going to come back, we're going to worship and we're going to do communion as well. We'll try to fit it all in. So just take a couple of minutes and um, you'll know that it's time to start singing again because Fraser will start singing. Um, so you've got a couple of minutes to, yeah, just lay hands on someone nearby if you feel comfortable. If you don't, don't worry, you don't, you don't have to. And just pray for them. Pray, pray for God to impart them with the Holy Spirit. Pray for God to give them power to be a people that go and make a difference in our world, to share the good news of Jesus. Go for it. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford.
We look forward to seeing you.